Psalm 46, no way to do it justice, but we'll try. We'll have fun giving it an honest effort here. So Psalm 46 starts off with God is our refuge. So that should ring bells in our ears. Where have we heard that before? Oh, that's right. In Psalm 212, it said, blessed are all of those who seek refuge in him. Psalm 34, which we did just a couple of weeks ago, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So today we're gonna see an even further development in the, in the, the theme that runs through the Psalms of us taking our refuge in Christ. Refuge, that's a word we don't use a whole lot. The place where we go for shelter, the place where we go for safety, the place where we go for comfort. So where is it that you go for safety, shelter, comfort? Your home. Uh, your dorm room, um, a place that is comfortable to you, a place that you turn that makes you feel safe, that brings peace, that's our refuge. And all throughout the Psalms, we're told that that refuge is in Christ. It's in the Lord. It's in God. And today in this particular passage, if you've got it out, let me point this out to you because this is gonna, this is gonna show you where I get our main idea from. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. He's very present. And then when you scroll on down to verse five, it says God is in the midst of her. That's the city of God, his city. God's right there in the midst. And then in verse seven, which seven and 11 are the exact same verse repeated twice. You, you know from hermeneutics that anytime we see something repeated, we underline it, we start it. That's something the writer's trying to get across to us. So what is the writer really pushing on here? The Lord of hosts is with us. And then again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. So there's this theme running throughout verse one. God's our refuge. He's very present. He's our strength. He's gonna help us. In seven, he's with us. In 11, he's with us. And so that's where I get the main idea, which is the Lord is with his children. So that's the main idea of your text this morning is that the Lord is with his children. Now, time out. It would have been a shorter sentence and more memorable if I just said the Lord is with us. But for me to say the Lord is with us is for me to make the assumption that every single person in this room has repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Christ as a genuine child of God because God does not make the promise that he is gonna be with those who are unbelievers in the same way that he is gonna be with those who are believers. There's 3,000 plus people in this auditorium. There's somebody in this auditorium, maybe a lot of somebodies, who are not a follower of Christ, who you know by the way you live your life, by the way you conduct your actions, by the way you know in your heart that you have never humbled yourself before God, confessed your sins, and lived the life that you're supposed to live out of obedience and love for God. Now, sure, maybe you're putting up a good front. Maybe you've got that whitewashed tomb thing going on where everybody thinks you're okay, or maybe you don't even have that, and we all know you're not okay, at least those who are close enough to you to know how you live your life. But if you're in this room, and you have never repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this the Lord is with you. All of this we're gonna talk about, about not fearing, about having joy, about having peace. That's not you. That's my concern for you is that's not you. The only way that you can have 
the no fear and the instant joy, even in the midst of chaos, and the peace that will come one day when God takes over all things is if you are genuinely a child of God and only you can know that. I can't look at your external fruit and with 100% accuracy adjudicate you're a child of the king or you're not. Your mom and dad can't do that for you. They may be awesome and you may be putting up a lie. You say, yeah, here at Cedarville, yeah. You may be living a double life. You may be with one foot on the shore and one foot in the boat, and friends, that ends poorly for you. You may be unstable in all of your ways. You may be duplicitous. You may be claiming the name of Christ in one hand and doing things that are unspeakable in the other hand and thinking you're gonna get away with it. Well, friends, you're not. God knows. So I give you this idea with that caveat. I can't make it shorter. Because I can't promise you that all of us are children of the king. But if you are, I've got good news for you today. Because the Lord is with his children. All right. I'm going to read it as we go through it. Instead of reading it all, I'm just going to read it as we go through it. We're going to try to have fun with it. I've got one illustration I'm still trying to decide whether I'm gonna use, so they're wondering whether they're gonna show the slides or not. I'll ask you if you want me to show it to you later. All right, here's the outline. Get your outline. You got your pens, you got your journals. If you're a guest, you don't have your journals, that's okay, but once you're a student here, you've got your journals, you're taking notes. Psalm 46, here's the outline I have for you. Because the Lord is with us. So there's your main idea. The Lord is with his children. I've shortened it here just because it's too much to write. Because the Lord is with us, here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see that we should not fear. And then we're gonna see that we should have joy. Doesn't mean we're always happy, but we should have joy. And then we're gonna see that we will have peace. We may not have peace in this earth, but we will have peace. Now, this text has told us that the Lord is with us. But even more so than in the Old Testament, the Lord is with us in the New Testament because in the New Testament, Jesus said, it's better that I depart and go away so that he could send the Spirit So that now for those children, those children actually have the spirit of God living within us. So we have God with us in a way that they didn't even have in the Old Testament. So when we read this, recognize we've got even more of it. This is an amazing passage for us. So we start with point number one. Because the Lord is with us, we should not fear. Oh, look at what it says. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. All right, let's walk through the text. So we start off with God. That's a good place to start. So where's your help come from? All right, listen to me. Your help does not come from your intellect. I rationalize my way out of anything I wanna get out of because you people are smart. You can do some of that. That's not where your help comes from. Your help does not come from your strength. I've seen some of you in there in the weight room squatting weights that are ungodly amounts. It does not come from your strength. It does not come from political power. That rotates every two to four years and it brings utter chaos no matter what happens. That's not where our help's coming from, friends. We should be actively involved, not where our help's coming from. Our help is not gonna come from the Supreme Court or any other court. That's not where we go. 
Our help comes from one place and one place only, and that is from God Almighty. Now, if you're a child of the King, you've got the creator of the universe that's gonna be your help, and it says God is. It doesn't say God was. It doesn't say God will be. It says God is our help. It's our, it's not mine. It's not like I own it. It's not like the Bible department because they're the, they're the special people because they know more about the Bible. It's not like they're the only ones that can go to God. It's all of us. It's all of us, whether we know all of the books of the Old Testament or not. It's whether they can read them in Hebrew, Greek, Latin, French, and German, like some of those guys over there can, or whether you can barely read it in English because you grow up speaking country boy like I did. <laughs> God's still your God. It's our, it's all of us. God is our refuge. He's the place we should turn. Where do you go when you need help? Where do you turn? Do you turn to people? Do you turn to somebody else? Do you turn in on yourself? Do you get in your own little funk and recluse, go away from everybody else and become a recluse? What do you do? It says here, God is our refuge and our strength. Something happens to you in life and you should have no strength. Where do you get your strength from? Your strength comes from God. Where do you encounter God in his word, through his worship, in times in prayer, with his people? This is what we do, friends. And it says that he is a very present help. He's there. He's always there. He's always just speaking and thinking away. Well, I don't like to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know the right words to say. You pray like you talk to anybody else. You're talking to God who already knows. You can tell him things he already knows. You can be honest with him because he already knows. You can tell him your fears because he already knows. You can tell him your struggles because he already knows. You just talk to him like you're normally talking or thinking with anybody else. The person you're most comfortable with, that's how you should talk to God in your prayer time. Tell him everything. He already knows. He wants to commune with you and he is a very present help. And now, Catch this. God is a very present help. God is not like that person who stares at their phone the whole time you're talking to them. God never has his phone on do not disturb. God is not that person that has decided to migrate south for the winter so they're no longer near you. God is not thousands of miles away from you and so you really can't feel like you're talking to or connecting to him. God is not that friend of yours that met that great looking girl and now has no time for all of his buddies. <laughs> By the way, that's a sophomore, junior, senior, not a freshman, right? All right. <laughs> that's not God. God is not that person that has ghosted you, whatever that means. God didn't get mad at you because you disobeyed his law 300,000 times and now he won't listen. He's still there. He is a very present help in times of trouble, which means you're gonna have trouble. And then here's what it says. Okay, if that's true, and we know it is because it's in the word of God, there's a therefore. When you see a therefore, you look and see what is it there for, and it gives you an application section, which is we will not fear. I'll come back to that. Where will they not fear? They'll not fear though the earth gives way. Now you've gotta catch this and you've gotta notice this. These are the most stable things I could ever think of in my mind in my life. The earth does not give way. It didn't budge. We're putting a 65,000 square foot building up over here 
on top of earth. I hope it doesn't move. <laughs> that would be bad. When the earth moves, what happens? It makes the news because it's not supposed to happen. There's an earthquake. There's a sinkhole. That doesn't happen. We trust the earth. We build on the earth. The earth doesn't move. But if it does, we're not going to fear. I'm sitting here thinking, we should fear. The earth starts moving underneath me. I'm, I'm moving somewhere else. Like, I don't know where, but Mars. I don't know. I'm moving somewhere else. The mountains. Oh, hey, come on. How? Colorado, if you're from Colorado, where are you? She, give me a shout out. Give me a, all right. Those mountains. Oh, my goodness. What if they started rearranging themselves in the middle of the night? No. Uh-uh. Do you know where east and west is by looking up at the mountains. They don't move. They're there. They're beautiful. They're awesome. Mountains don't move. If mountains start moving and being thrown into the sea, we got a problem, folks. So the most stable things you could possibly think of, the earth and the mountains, what if the earth starts giving away? What if the mountains are thrown into the heart of the sea? What if those waters, now this water is unstable. Water is the most unstable thing. You can't walk on it. Unless it's frozen. So, okay, I get that. If it freezes, you don't, you're not supposed to walk on it, but I get you do. If the waters roar and foam and the mountains then begin to tremble because the waters keep throwing themselves at the mountains, that hurricane's coming through, that, that flood is coming through, the water's continuously throwing themselves at the mountain. Even if the mountain begins to shake, oh, here comes the water. What are we gonna do? We don't, we don't care. We're fine. I'm not afraid. No big deal. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's not me. I get scared when stuff like that happens. But what this text is telling us is that, God, I just dropped my bookmark. Maybe you're reading. If you're reading, by the way, if you're reading like I'm reading this morning, it talked about refuge in our psalm that we read this morning too. I don't even know where I am now. What are you afraid of? Dr. Wife. <laughs> No, you're not. No, come on. You guys put coconuts at my house. You're not. Okay. Now, if I use this illustration, you have to promise not to bring it and put it on my doorstep, okay? Is that a deal? Okay. All right. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of coconuts? No. Are you afraid of that skateboard that's sounding coming up behind you? I haven't even finished the illustration yet. As you're walking down that sidewalk and all you hear is, <laughs> you know, the ones that scare me are the ones that you're not like, they're not pushing on them. They like have their hands in their pockets and they've got, some, I don't know, some knob that they're turning somewhere or thought controlled skateboard. I don't know what these things are. And those things are flying, they're passing cars going down the street. And I'm like, you people are crazy. How many of you are scared of that sound? Come on now, we all, I see you. We get tight. Like you're not slinging your arms out. It's like, all right. What else are you scared of? Calculus. Calculus. <laughs> hey, that was on my list. I'm just saying, that was on my list. How many of you are scared of winter that's coming? Yes, uh-huh. Some of you are really excited for it. The rest of us are terrified by it. 
Um, molecular biology, does that make the list? No, yes. I, what's, what's that nursing class that's so hard like your senior year, junior? <laughs> what? Medster? Whatever. Okay, y'all, y'all know what it is. I don't, I, yeah, whatever. Hey, what are you afraid of? All right, there's somebody. Who in the room is afraid of clowns? Oh, there's a lot of you. Who in the room are afraid of mascots? Some of you, yeah, all right. You got your things, all right. Do y'all wanna, so I moved to Texas before we were here. We moved from North Carolina to Texas, lived in Texas. I like to hunt. Y'all know what I was afraid of when we moved to Texas? I've got a picture of it. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Come on now, how many of you are with me? Okay, this is not a normal snake here now. So like, I'm not that afraid of a black snake or a king snake. Like, they'll bite you and it's no big deal. This is a rattlesnake. This thing, this thing will kill you. So, oh gosh. The only rattlesnake that's a good snake is a dead snake. That's all I'm saying, right? Okay, if you love animals, don't write me a letter. It's, it's true, but don't write me a letter. So what do you do when you're scared of something and you're me and you're crazy and you don't, you, you go hunt it. Like if you're afraid of it, let's go hunt it. So there's this place in Sweetwater, Texas where you can go hunt rattlesnakes. This place is crazy, y'all. I'm just saying they have a Miss Snake Charmer pageant where in order to be in the pageant, you have to clean a rattlesnake. Like this place is, they've lost their minds. I mean, this place is a little bit crazy. So you actually go out and hunt rattlesnakes. And so you are going into their dens with a mirror and shining the sun's light into the den. And if something shines back, it's probably a snake. And you stick your thing in there and you grab it. And if you find the right spot, you grab it and you pull out a snake. And the snake I pulled out looks like this. Next slide. Yeah. And then they take the snakes and they put them in a pit. This is the crazy guy. All right, leave that one up there for a second. I gotta tell you about this guy. So, I, so they put them in a pit because they crawl, they'll crawl up on each other and suffocate each other and then they die and they die before they get the venom and do all the other stuff they do with them. So they've got a guy that's in the pit and his job is to move the snakes off the top of the other snakes so the snakes don't suffocate. You'll notice he has red duct tape on the bottom of his pants. So I was just curious, what in the world is that for? And I, so I asked him, I'm like, dude, what's up with the red duct tape? I probably said it just like that too. And he said, well, last year there was, a, there was a guy, this was several years ago. Last year there was a guy and a baby one crawled up his leg and got to his thigh before he figured it out and it bit him on his thigh and he had to go to the hospital and had $100,000 worth of hospital bills. So this guy got smart and put duct tape on his pants. <laughs> Get out of the pit, dude, and they won't. <laughs> Do you know what I learned hunting rattlesnakes? Number one, I lost my mind. Number two, don't go hunt rattlesnakes, by the way. That was several years ago. I was crazy. It was foolish. It was fun, but it was foolish. Those snakes are more scared of you than you are of them. And if you just leave them alone and don't step on them and pay attention where you're going, then they won't bother you. Friends, there are many things in this world that we are afraid of that we don't have to be afraid of. Because if we are in the center of God's will, then we are exactly where we need to be. And Psalm 139 tells us that God has numbered our days before any of them even existed. 
I don't want to go overseas and be a missionary. I might die. Yeah, you might. But not till God's ready for you to. I don't want to do something big and bold for God because I might fail. Yeah, you might. But failing trying something big for God is better than never trying anything at all. And friends, I guarantee you there are a whole lot of us in this room, myself included, that are afraid of failure. I don't wanna step out and do something that's bigger than me. I wanna do things I can control. If it's bigger than me, I don't wanna do it because I'm afraid I may fail. But that's not the God we see in the Bible. He is all the time asking people to do something they can't do, but that he can do so that he gets the glory when it's ultimately done and not us. And so I wanna challenge you this morning to not have fear, but to have a great vision for doing something for the Lord. Wouldn't it be awesome if 10 or 12 of you decided we're gonna get our jobs and we're gonna move to the same location and we're gonna get involved in the church plant and we're gonna change that city for Christ. You can't change that city for Christ, friends, but God working through you can change a city for Christ. You can have a whole lot of fun doing it. Get my best buddies, all the people I love hanging out with, all the people I'm hanging out with when I should be studying, and now all of a sudden we're living in a city together, doing life together. We're, we're getting married, not together, getting married to the different people, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> we're having kids. Our families are going to soccer games together. We're, or football, or basketball, pick your sport, whatever, tennis, hockey, whatever it is. All right, go, have fun. But you're living life together with your best friends. And what are you doing? Oh, the city needs Jesus. And we're gonna work as hard as we can and we're gonna pray as hard as we can and we're gonna give them Jesus. What if you had a vision to use your degree? I'll pick civil engineering because it works well with missions. And I'm gonna go overseas and I'm gonna be a civil engineer for Jesus because they will let you come in as a civil engineer in places they will not let you come in for Jesus. And you can share the name of Jesus with people that have never heard his name. Friends, is there anything more important to do on this earth than share the name of Jesus with somebody that has never heard his name? If you believe there's an eternal heaven and an eternal hell, there's nothing more important on this earth you can do than share the name of Jesus with those who have never heard his name. We shouldn't fear. We do. I do. We shouldn't. Let's get to point number two, verse four. So we should not fear. Number two, we should have joy. So where do I get this from? Verse four, let's read four through seven. I'll come back. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the most high, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So where does it come from? It, look, it says there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God where God's presence is, there's a river that makes glad, glad, joyful. We should be joyful when we are in the presence of God. And because God is in the city, look at what it says. This is the habitation of the most high. So obviously they're doing this thinking of Jerusalem or Zion here in the Old Testament. But we know ultimately they will be a city that God will dwell in forever. And that coming city will be ultimately even more secure than any of this. And here they're saying that river, that river, okay, those waters that foam and rage now is a tamed river. The waters of God's judgment that flood and destroy are completely different than the rivers of God's presence 
that bring peace and that satisfy our thirst and the longings of our souls and that give us a nice, comfortable place to We stare at rivers. We look at rivers. We lay down and go to sleep by rivers. If you use white noise like I do, I go to sleep every night to a river beside my bed because rivers make me sleepy and peaceful. I love rivers that are not outside of their boundaries, raging and foaming. They're just trickling. They're just moving. And here with the presence of God, there's a river whose streams will make glad or joyful the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. Friends, do you know that's who you serve? There's nobody that can beat up your older brother. There's nobody that can challenge your heavenly father. God will help her when the morning dawns. Oh, look at this word moved. God's in her midst. She shall not be moved. This word moved, if you look at it in the original languages, you back up to verse two, the mountains are gonna be moved. Verse six, the kingdoms will totter or be moved, but the city won't be. The mountains, which should never move, they'll be moved. Things will happen, earthquakes, volcanoes erupt, things happen, mountains can be moved. The kingdoms, the kingdoms we look at of the world and say, oh, this kingdom's so powerful. This kingdom, it'll never be moved. It'll be moved. You give it enough time, it'll implode upon itself because we all have a sin nature. You give it enough time, somebody will take over because somebody's mightier. People die, things change. The kingdom, it'll be moved. If God says move it, it's moved immediately. So the most powerful kingdom in the world that you fear, God doesn't fear at all. He can move it with a word. But the city where God is, never be moved. It's not happening. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the whole earth melts. That's why we don't fear. Because all my God has to do is speak a word and the whole earth melts. So all I need to do is serve my God because the Lord of hosts is with us. Child of the king, that Lord is with you and the God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, point number three. Point number three here is that we will have peace. We should not fear because God is with us. We should always have joy, maybe not happiness, but joy because God is with us. But one day the king is coming again. He's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming as a king on a white horse and he's gonna take care of everything that is wrong with this earth and set it right. And there's one day that we will have peace. Look at what it says here. It says, come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes the war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He doesn't just make the war stop. He's gonna stop all the things that cause the wars. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God, he says. I will be exalted among the nations. Lest you miss it, I will be exalted in the earth. Who's gonna be exalted? Let's try that again. Who's gonna be exalted? One more time. Who's gonna be exalted? He's our God. The king we serve is gonna be exalted. Therefore, we're not gonna fear and we're gonna have joy and we're gonna have peace because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, I gotta point out a couple of things to you right quick here in this section. Come and behold or see, those are imperatives. 
You're being commanded, come, see. You're also being commanded in verse 10, be still and know. There's some implications of this. Be still and know. This implication, it's to those who are fighting against the Lord primarily. So you're fighting against the Lord. You're saying, I want it my way. I don't want it your way. I'm gonna do things the way I want to. And what, what the writer is saying here is, stop, it's foolishness. Just knock it off. What are you doing? Be still and know. Drop your hands away from the steering wheel of your life. Let go of the control. Quit fighting against God because it's utter foolishness. If God controls the whole earth, you are no big deal in his mind. You are easy for him to overcome. You can't fight against God. So stop the nonsense. Be still and know. Maybe there's a secondary application to be still and know to those of us who like to have control. How many of you in here are with me? You like to control everything. You like to have plans. You like to have backup plans. You like to have backup plans to your backup plans and you have them all on a PowerPoint <laughs> and a spreadsheet and in a Word document that's saved twice just in case the first copy gets corrupted. It's not that this is confession time. It says, be still and know. Get your hands off the wheel. I'm in charge, you're not. Be still, stop. No. All right, let's back up to the other ones. Behold, see. What do we see? We see the works of the Lord. What works of the Lord? Think about this. All throughout, all throughout Psalms, it talks about creation. It talks about the Exodus. All throughout the Psalms. It's pointing us to creation. It's pointing us to the Exodus. Come and see. What has God done? God's created everything in six literal days and rested on the seventh. What has God done? God took that army that was chasing after Moses and the children of Israel up to the Red Sea and just like this says in the morning, in the morning, he closed those waters in and he took out all of those chariots and all of those armies. You can look in 2 Chronicles 20 with Jehoshaphat. He took the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir and he made them fight against each other. They're all coming against Israel and God says, wait a second, let's shake this snow globe up. You're gonna fight each other. You're gonna kill each other off. They're not gonna do anything because I'm gonna win this battle. And they killed each other. Who can do that? 2 Kings 7, 3 through 7, the Syrians flee. How did the Syrians flee? Oh, we hear noises. They must have hired Egypt to come after us and kill us. We're about to die. We need to flee and leave everything that we have with us so we can get out of here for our lives. Who can make that happen? Only God. Think about 2 Kings 19. Sennacherib. Oh, don't listen to your king. He's gonna tell you God's gonna save you. That's never gonna happen. So God takes the angel of the Lord and wipes out 185,000 in one night and leaves the dead bodies there so they can look at all the dead bodies to know that that God can do anything he wants to do. Come and see. You're worried about what? Calculus. Study hard. He created calculus. You're worried about that job after graduation? You're worried about graduation or you're worried about not graduation? I mean, whichever the case may be, right? He's got you. You're worried about the job after graduation? He's got you. You're worried about, is there anybody out there for me? He's got you. He is your refuge and your strength, friends. Come and see. Well, I'm gonna resist and do it my way. Come and see, because the Bible's full of that too and it ends badly for all of them. Dear friend, don't resist, come and see. God is faithful 
We can trust him. Be still and know. This reminds me of Mark 4, 39. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is asleep because Jesus is cool like that and the waves are rolling and they're doing all this stuff and they go to the disciples, go to him and they say, Jesus, we're gonna die. What are you doing? How are you sleeping right now? What's going on? Jesus like, you woke me up. I'm not happy. Knock it off. That's not in the text. That, that's not even in the New Living Translation or whatever. And that's <laughs> peace be still. And you know what happened? The wind stopped. Yes, sir. This was dad when he looks at you with that furrowed brow and he gets that deep voice and he calls you by your first and your middle name. You better knock it off. And the wind stops and the water is very calm. The water's not slowing down. I'll stop when I'm ready. I'll stop after I obey the laws of physics and slow down gently over time because I can't stop immediately. The law said, yes, sir. It shut it down and it was very calm. It was glass. And the disciples said, who is this that can control the wind and the sea? And Jesus to them said, I'll give you a little faith. Why are you so afraid? Oh, that hits home. I look in the mirror and he says to me, oh, ye of little faith, why are you so afraid? I look out here at this audience and I say to you the question I've already asked to myself, oh, ye of little faith, why are you so afraid? See, I've got good news for you. If you are a child of the king, the Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you, you should not fear and you should have joy and you will have peace. The best is yet to come. Don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of anything this world can do. Take this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. A mighty fortress is our God. All right, your application, just briefly. Application, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Go do it for Jesus. In case you didn't get it in the text, the Lord will help you. He is your refuge and strength. It's in here twice, so put it on your slide twice. The Lord will help you. He is your refuge and strength. And finally, dream big for the glory of God. Friends, I hope you know that you are loved. Dear God, would you help us to live out the great truths of this passage? Would you help us not to fear the things of this world, but to fear you, for that is the beginning of wisdom. Would you help us to live lives for you where we seek to do everything you want us to do and to do it boldly and to do it with great passion for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, would you bless these students and would you keep them and would you watch over them and would you grant them peace and would you grant them joy? Lord, would you help them not to fear? Would you help them to have great fun developing friendships, studying for your glory and using their lives for you? And Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, would you convict them? Would you not allow them to sleep peacefully until they come to a saving relationship with you? Would you put friends in their life that would speak truth to them? Would you help them to be confronted with the truth of the gospel so many times that they just finally say, I give, Lord, it's all yours. For your glory alone and in Jesus' great name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.